0: You know, women chart as the most uh, from 18 to 52 as the most unhappy group of people Mm. in the world is women in that age group. And one of the reasons why I think is because we have devalued women by devaluing motherhood.
1: Welcome to the Salty Pastor Podcast, a podcast dedicated to helping you learn and grow in your faith. We are here to help you navigate life by giving you the tools, knowledge, and skills to help make your own decisions. Our goal in the Salty Pastor is to help you grow your faith. We believe when you pursue Jesus, you become a person who knows what they believe and why they believe it. Someone who's not Gullible, easily swayed, naive, immature, or overly sensitive, but someone who wants to navigate life with strength, courage, and confidence. Mm. We do this by strengthening you through the knowledge and tools. Um, that allow you to go deeper into the wisdom that you possess, focusing on truth. Um, is there truth? And is there a way to know what is true? How does real truth impact you as a person? And finally, we encourage you with support. You are not alone in this journey. You have us, and there are many <laughs> others who are willing to journey through life alongside you, and we want you to be able to find them. My name is Jesse Mayer. I'll be your host, but we cannot do this Salty Pastor podcast without the Salty Pastor himself, Dr. Douglas Peak.
0: <laughs> Welcome, everybody. Yes, you have us. A- us you always have us how many episodes have we done now
1: oh uh, we're closing in on 300 300
0: Pastor. episodes that's a whole lot of gabbing
1: isn't that's it that's a almost 150 <laughs> hours of us talking oh
0: my goodness i'm even wearing my extra salty you shirt are, today you're
1: extra salty today i'm
0: gonna be extra salty so <laughs> this is awesome i'm so excited about uh What we're celebrating this Sunday on the 14th of May is Mother's Day. So it's going to be a really great day.
1: Absolutely. Our series, The Unmodern Family, is all about how we can build strong and healthy families even when our society is encouraging us to adopt ideas that weaken our families. We talked about needing to make a choice regarding who we will listen to for direction. We we delved into how uh, marriage is the foundation of a family and how the polarity between masculinity and femininity is critical to its health and vitality. And finally, we talked about how we should value children and what that actually looks like. This week, Mm. we're going to be digging into the importance of raising children and how motherhood should be valued.
0: Man, I'll tell you, I was impressed because you can say masculinity, but I can never say femininity.
1: Femininity. <laughs> yeah,
0: it's like, it's, it reminds me of that song. Minimina. Minimina. Beep, 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 beep. I'm just like, so I just say it real flat fast. Yeah, it's about your Femininity. <laughs> femininity. <laughs> well i think it's super important for us to focus on the value of motherhood like mm. last week we focused on the value of children and i my contention is we have so many problems today not because we're not evolved enough or we have enough new ideas new techniques it's really we have problems because we've devalued children mm. we want to use children as experiments for our own social engineering and in the same way the reason why women are struggling today the you know women chart as the most uh, from 18 to 52 as the most unhappy group of people mm. in the world is women in that age group. And one of the reasons why I think is cuz we have devalued women by devaluing motherhood. And what I mean by that is it's the art of of walking and living in your persona, your created persona of femaleness, the feminine, in raising children. It's the art of developing human beings. Any female can be a mom, right? Simply through the act of sex. (coughs) But motherhood is something quite different. Motherhood is the calling uh, of turning children into really great adults. So it's about you being a conduit through which discipline and character development and maturity and responsibility is passed on to a whole new generation. It focuses on all the aspects of human development. That's why motherhood is such a big deal. And we've kind of devalued that. And in some ways I, and I believe this is an altruistic or axiomatic statement. Only women can be mothers. And so it's a devaluation of women when we devalue motherhood. Research says that in general, men are more interested in things. I mean, this is, you know, 90% of things men, like men. objects. Is objects, what you're yeah. You know, they're interested in, you know, puzzles and or games or mechanical things or uh stuff you know um if 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 a guy comes home from work you know say how was your day he'll talk about what he fixed what he built what he you know what i'm saying right uh if a woman comes home from work or comes home and says how was your day she's gonna talk about all of her interactions with human beings because women in general are more interested in people right and what's interesting about that is it, it points to the fact that mothers need to be valued for their expertise on knowing People and how to develop and grow children into really great people. Yeah, I think what I would like
1: to hear from you, Pastor, is is we always start with a Bible study. So where do we find the value of motherhood in the Bible? Because I, I I feel like, you know, in general, the Bible typically starts with men and, and things. And so I'm not as familiar with where it's speaking to women because that's, Not what I am. And so I don't, I'm not as familiar of where those, where those, um, verses would be found.
0: Well, uh, the, the first thing that's really so interesting is if you read the gospel stories and you read the birth of Christ is that in, in, it's very, very odd because even in this time, so much of the literature, even the, uh, the, the mythical hero literature that they talked about Mm -hmm. and wrote in predominantly in the Roman empire is the story starts with a woman, you know, and Luke, as a matter of fact, is really fascinating in that it starts with, uh, Mary, the, uh, I mean, Mary's uh, sister, Martha, um, and Martha was the mother of John the Baptist. Right? right. And then there's Mary, the mother of Jesus. And so it starts off the whole gospel stories all start off with motherhood, mm. you know, and that's really interesting. Um, that, that that's our first introduction to the centrality of motherhood and its importance. Right. Uh, you could also go back in the Old Testament and study. In Judaism, they often, a lot of people are not aware of this, is that they track your Jewish heritage back through your mother. Not as, through your father. Not through your father. Hmm. You know, which is really interesting because you when you read the, like, numbers and stuff, it always says the son of, right, right, son right. of, son of. So, so you got a lot of men going on. But, um, when you read the genealogies in the new Testament, there's one in Matthew one and Luke is that one is the genealogy of Joseph and the other one is the genealogy of Mary. Mm. And they all ultimately go back through David, right. which is really kind of interesting. Um, but long and short of it is there's, there's a tremendous amount of biblical scripture. I, I think what I'd like to do is spend the time, not so much on showing that mothers were central to the scripture, but what is the teaching for women in particular who are mothers. And I think the best place to do that is in first Peter. Okay. Now you got to remember, Peter was Jewish. He was raised Jewish, Mm. right? And then he was the door to the Gentiles. If you read the book of acts, you see that he he had a vision and then the spirit told him to go to Cornelius, who was a Gentile. He shared the gospel with that household. They start to speak in tongues, showing and proving that the Holy spirit, was upon them as well. And so then he takes that back and he says, obviously God wants to include Gentiles in salvation. And so we're going to do that. But he never actually really did that. Paul ended up being the apostle to win the Gentiles, which is really interesting. And so long and short of it though, he did write to the church and he wrote about women and moms and families. And he says in chapter three, verses one through six, the following words in the same way, you wives be subject to your own husbands so that if even if any of them are disobedient to the word they may be won over without a word by the behavior of your wives. So what he's saying here is that the whole you you can win somebody over, right? through your behavior. Your behavior has a powerful impact on people, and that's what he's saying. You don't have to talk them into it or nag them into it. Just your behavior becomes a powerful influence over your husband. Number two, he goes, as they observe your pure and respectful behavior, your adornment must not be merely the external braiding hair, wearing gold jewelry, or putting on apparel, but it should be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God, For in this way, the holy women of former times who hoped in God also used to adorn themselves, being subject to their own husbands. And just as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord, and you have proved to be her children if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear, which is a really interesting phraseology. But what he talks about is children, right? Sarah was the mother of the Jewish nation, Mm -hmm. right? It all came through her offspring. Now, what's really fascinating, though, is it says, he says, you are proved to be her children. So if you're Jewish, she's your mom. So there's a genetic link, a biological link. If you're a Gentile, then she's also, it's interesting how he combines those. Mm-hmm. And then he gives his teaching. He says, look, if you do what is right without being frightened by any fear, what, what stops us from doing what is right oftentimes is fear of the outcome. Right. Right? So a woman is like, I don't want to submit because he might take advantage of me. That's fear. I don't want to do this because I can't trust my husband. See, that's fear. And so he that's interesting how he throws that in there. So let's, But I want to I go um, back and I want to kind of dig into the verse 5. It says in this way, the holy women of former times who hoped in God also used to adorn themselves. So what, what he's doing is he mentions Sarah and what he's doing is he is talking about the heroes of the faith, right? The people who were the most courageous. If you look up Hebrews chapter 11, beginning with verse four, it says the following by faith, Abel offered to God a better sacrifice than Cain through which he attested to be righteous, God testifying about his gifts, and through faith, though he is dead, he still speaks. By faith, Enoch was taken up so that he would not see death, and he was not found because God took him up. For before he was taken up, he was attested to have been pleasing to God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God. For the one who comes to God must believe that he exists and that he proves to be the one who rewards those who seek him. By faith... Noah warned by God about things which had not been seen. Then he talks about it by faith, Abraham, when he was called obeyed by going out to a place, which he was to receive for an inheritance. And he left not knowing where he was going by faith. He lived as a stranger in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, fellow heirs of the same promise. And then verse 11, by faith, even Sarah herself received ability to conceive even beyond the proper time of life. So what he's talking about is he's saying, look, Sarah is a part of the hall of fame of faith, right? And women, you can be just like her if you're willing to value the things of God.
1: Mm. So basically, Peter is saying there are examples of really great mothers in the past, and we can look to them, for example.
0: Yeah, he's saying this is the examples to follow. He then tells us what made them great, okay? he What allowed them to have such a massive impact on the world and on their husbands, what made them such great women, uh, is this. Verse 3, Your adornment must not be merely the external, but it should be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable quality of a gentle and quiet spirit, which is precious in the sight of God. Now, first notice what he says. Your adornment must not be merely the external braiding hair. Okay. Now, uh, you're not married, but I'm married. Yes. And over 34 years, I have learned that uh, for women, they spend... A significant amount of time on their hair. (laughs) Their hair is very important. Okay. So he he says.
1: I I will say being a former ballroom dancer who had to be around them while they got show ready. I am aware of this feat.
0: Yes. So you've had that experience. If if you uh, grew up with sisters, you got two sisters, right? Twin sisters. And so, you know. I am aware. Yeah. What are you doing in the bathroom? I need the bathroom. I'm fixing my hair. (laughs) And that takes quite a bit of time. So see, I'm being extra salty. Uh, (laughs) Wearing gold jewelry. You know, women, uh, very, you know, jewelry is important to them, right? Uh, and putting on apparel, getting dressed. Uh, one, one thing is, is that when you get ready to go out, you know, you've been married a while. Generally, you know, I'm like, okay, whatever outfit she's chosen more than likely will change before we get out of the door. <laughs> you know, so I'm, I'm up, I'm, I'm willing to say, patient, uh, 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 this is how I do it. And that is normal husband patience is three changing of outfits before you go. Okay. Once it goes past three, you're going, this is ridiculous. Okay. Let's wear go. what you got. Let's go. <laughs> so, but if, if you, if you're a young husband and you expect just one change before you get out the door, that's an unreasonable amount of patience. <laughs> that's too little. Okay. You got to give enough time there. So, but notice what he says this. There's no Christian ethic that says women are to dress poorly, uniformly, Or to de-emphasize their beauty. He says, notice how he says that. Your adornment must not be merely the external. So he's not saying ignore it, um, not see it as a problem. He says, don't allow it to be the primary focus. So the same amount of time you spend on getting ready in your hair, you should also spend on what? Developing the internal qualities.
1: Yeah, I think this is important because there are some people who worry that we... And when you're preaching, you say, we're not here to tell you what to wear, how to dress, what yes. music to listen to. Right. Mm-hmm. And that some, that offends some people. And this is one of the biblical passages that supports that principle. Peter is specifically saying, if you want to look good, wear what's appropriate and yeah. even highlight your attractiveness. Just don't make this the only thing you pursue.
0: Yeah, that's correct. Uh, you said it so much better than me. <laughs> <laughs> Notice he says to pursue the things of your heart and to adorn yourself with a gentle and quiet spirit. Uh, the word gentle comes from the Greek word praus or praus, meaning a meekness. So gentleness is the ability to control your strength. A weak person struggles to be gentle. Right. Uh, but when you look at it, you you know, you look at moms, you know, moms, when they give birth, they are very gentle with their babies, even though they are infinitely much stronger than their infants. Right. Right. Okay. People can be really gentle with kittens and puppies, right? Women learn gentleness because they have a tremendous influence and power in the lives of men, women, and the children in their lives. I, I know a lot of women who are insecure and so they will say words that wound their husband, right? And, and thinking that, well, they're just words. He's tough. He can take it. Well, that I'm sorry. It didn't work that way. That's a, That's what insecure wives do. Okay, you have to learn gentleness and the people you sometimes need to be the most gentle with is your husband. You know, your husband physically can be is obviously stronger than you. Is there a rare occasion? Well, yeah, if you're a, a MMA fighter, you know, and you're married to somebody, you know, who's a, you know, somebody who's a nerd or something, maybe you'll be stronger than them. But most girls who are MMA fighters tend to marry MMA fighters. Right. Right. So. So the issue is, is that more than likely your husband is physically stronger than you. Even if you guys weigh the same, his muscle mass is just so much stronger. His bone structure is stronger because that's how males are designed. Right. So consequently, you have to don't make the assumption because he's strong physically. That means he's strong emotionally. Okay. Mm. And so you got to be gentle with that. You, you need to be gentle. Women learn gentleness. Um, and it's something that you must adorn yourself with. In other words, a lot of women you have to understand is that y- you don't really naturally gentle you. It's something you learn, mm. right? Just like you fix your hair and you put time in that you should take time to fix your gentleness, right? And put time into how to be gentle, right? Uh, Women, I think, tend to, when they're tired, if they're exhausted or they're stressed out, they tend to be less gentle, Mm -hmm. you know? They, uh, and so it's important. Uh, The world wants to convince you as a woman that you are powerless because you don't have bigger muscles, right? The world wants to convince you that you are powerless because you've been oppressed forever, which when you really ask yourself, the question is, okay, how how could women be oppressed by the patriarchy for a thousand years? You know, first and foremost, women are not that easy to oppress. I mean, if you've ever been married to a woman, it's it's really difficult to oppress a woman, right? You They're know, strong. They're they, strong. they have a lot of strength, but the world wants you to have a chip on your shoulder ladies and feel like you're part of this massive denigration over centuries. That's just ridiculous. You have a tremendous amount of strength and the way you cultivate your gentleness is you accept the fact that you are strong, mm. right? Um, if, if you feel powerless, Then you feel justified in saying whatever you want, doing whatever you want, acting and thinking any way you want. But when you understand how truly powerful you are, you can become more gentle. If you feel powerless or you're convinced that you're powerless when you're strong and do whatever you want, this creates hurt and pain and suffering. And in the end, it steals your own self-respect as a woman that self self-love. So it's important to understand where gentleness comes from. You adorn yourself with it as a female. And that begins with what I am strong. I've been adopted into the family of God. I've been sealed with the kiss of the Holy spirit. I've been brought from death to life. I'm incredibly powerful. And so now I need to realize that.
1: Well, it reminds me of a lioness, right? Like Mm -hmm. lionesses are the primary hunters in a pride, right? And they are incredibly strong, incredibly fast, incredibly mm-hmm. powerful. But then you see them with their cubs and they are gentle. And while the women of our time may not be out going and hunting and mm-hmm. killing animals on the field, they are still just as powerful in a different way. Mm-hmm. And they still have to practice that gentleness. So it is not a call to be uh, weak. It is a call to tame your strength.
0: Yeah, that's exactly right. Tame your strength, which leads us to the next point next word which is quiet. You know quiet is is got a really bad rap under feminism, you know, cuz feminism is let your voice be heard and you know go out there and and so oh the opposite of that is quiet in their minds so anything the bible teaches about that it should be debunked and forgotten. But quiet actually is a is a combination word, right? You put two words together to make it. Okay. Uh, in the Greek it's hesukias and it comes from Uh, One part of the word means firm and steadfast, and the other part of the word means to own it or possess it, Okay? okay? So what makes a woman strong, right, so that she can put on gentleness, it's not outward beauty, but what is inside, courage and confidence, right? Courage and confidence in any situation allows you to have a calm spirit. It's not quiet, meaning Don't say anything, you know, sit down, shut up. That's not what he's talking about. He's using a word that talks about how do you stay firm and steadfast, right? And not get bent out of shape. Mm. You're unflappable. You're not easily annoyed. You're not insecure when people disagree with you. Uh, you don't lack self-confidence when people don't accept you, right. Right. Or don't like you. You're you are firm and you are steadfast as a woman. That's what it means to have a quiet spirit. You're confident and courageous. Peter stating that first, um, is that your confidence is not about a belief. I can do anything. It's about being firm and steadfast and knowing who you are, Mm. right? Um, it's very hard to stand firm when you lack confidence in yourself or you lack an understanding of who you really are. So he's saying, look, you know, what you need to do is you need to own that and possess it. So when he says quiet spirit, he's using a really loaded word there for women. He's saying, look, you need to go out and own or possess this confidence, And this confidence biblically doesn't come from inside of you. It comes as a gift of the Holy spirit, right? When you walk in the fullness of the kingdom of God, right? You know who, so ask yourself, do I really know who I am in Christ? Do I know who I am called to be? Do I have a confident knowledge of my importance in the development of children? Do I know what my spiritual gifts are? See, this is why the salty pastor I think is so um, focused on this. And that is we want you to know yourself. You know, we want women to be more confident, not less confident. We want them to own it and possess it so they can stand firm in it. And that's how when you think for yourself, you answer the question, who am I in Christ? It's not who does a salty pastor say I am. It's not who the world says you are. It's not who the world says I am. It's not a book or an evangelist or a prophet. It's who do I actually believe? Because what do I always say? What you believe
1: is the most important thing about you.
0: Yeah. And if you don't believe that, right, then how can you stand confidently in it? Right. So you need to work on that. Who are you called to be? You know, are are you called to just be uh, an externally attractive woman that can attract attention from males? Or are you called to be uh, a part of the... uh, eternal well not quite eternal but pretty close the generational chain over thousands of years of women who have had huge impact because they devoted themselves to motherhood not just being a mom but the process of motherhood which is i'm going to develop and nurture and grow really great adults Mm. and so i think that's a, a quiet spirit is one that is undisturbed by the winds of the times absolutely
1: well, thank you pastor for taking us on a journey to discuss what and who moms are and, and women are, um, in the in their identity in Christ, right. And yes. what they're called to be and how sometimes the world, a lot of times the world likes to twist what, what that. Is and what, yeah, the Bible and isn't that sad it? that they yeah. don't
0: really listen? You know, like we said earlier on, you have to choose who you're going to listen to, right? Right, absolutely. And, and so, the basic choice is, is that I'll never know who I really am until I choose who I'm going to listen to. And uh, to me, the obvious choice is I have to listen to God because He's the one who's created me and designed right. me, right? And He's the one I can trust. So, when you really look and study the New Testament about, well, what does God say? who you are mm. when you really read it you know it's like wow it's
1: it's powerful it's powerful <laughs> right You're, yeah you are a powerful you are a strong woman uh, unlike what that you know i i, I laugh because it's like it's almost become a joke now where it's like i'm a strong independent woman and people almost say it out of uh like a joke sometimes yeah. more than like no i believe that about myself but that's what god's always said yeah. they used it though the world wants to use it to say well when you say that it's proving that you've been oppressed and that the world thinks you need someone or whatever. And it's like, no, God said that all along that you are a strong right. woman, that you, your value does not come from a man, but in fact it comes from God. He yeah. said that from the beginning of time, <laughs> the world's just trying to say, Oh no, that everyone else has always told you the opposite. We're the only ones telling you that, that that's true. And it's like, no, I've God's like, no, I've been saying that for, Yeah, that's what the world does, is the
0: world takes the truth of God and then inverts it, and they say, you know, it's like, you know, in a lot of these uh, ideologies that are floating around, well, we're doing what's best for kids, and then you find out what they're doing and you go, this is horrible. This is horrible for kids. Yeah. This is horrible for kids. This is crazy. And so that's what I think, you know, is really important is, is that the celebration of motherhood in the scriptures is overwhelmingly clear. And the most important thing is that what Satan wants moms to experience is insecurity, a lack of confidence, a feeling that what they do doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. And what God wants you to know is that. You are called to a higher purpose. You have a gentle and quiet spirit because you know who you are, what's really valuable in life, and you are not only experiencing that in yourself but you are cultivating, and that's a key word, you are cultivating that in the lives of other people, particularly children.
1: Absolutely. Well, thank you, Pastor, for sharing with us, and I look forward to our discussion on Thursday about what that will be about and what we'll be diving into as far as application in the modern day. Thank you guys so much for joining us here on The Salty Pastor, and we'll see you on Thursday.
0: Blessings.